Another week, another Chiefs organized team activity. Beat writer Brooke Pryor breaks down what she saw and heard at the Chiefs' latest practice. Spoiler alert, she heard from plenty of assistant coaches. Hear what they had to say and how we interpreted what they had to say on Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Hey, Brooke. Hey, Blair. <laughs> hey, Blairster. <laughs> Brookster, I think we found out today that that's, uh, uh, that's kind of a pet name for you. It is. That's what my, my parents called me, Brookster, growing up. And I told you, uh, standing out at OTAs, where, um, I don't know about you, but I got a little bit of a sunburn. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we were standing out there talking, and uh, my parents called me Brookster growing up, and I put it on the back of a sweatshirt. You know, when you're in high school and you can customize the back of your sweatshirt, mine said Brookster. But then my AAU basketball coach saw it and said, Brooke Esther? What kind of name is that? So in one circle of folks, I was known as Brooke Esther. Uh, and then at home, I was called Brookster. I think if, if maybe <laughs> if you were in England, it would be Brooke Esther. Brooke Esther. Brooke Esther. It just it kind of sounds a little bit more regal. It does. It's very noble. Very you know noble. what else sounds noble? Spagnolo. Spagnolo does. It sound sounds noble. Italian noble. Like right. maybe he's a member of the Medici family. Maybe uh, with a New England accent that we'll get to in a oh, moment because we're, <laughs> we're going to hear some Steve Spagnolo in our podcast a little bit later, and we will get the full effect of the Steve Spagnolo Spags. Spags accent. I love that. Um, but there was a little bit of news out out there today. Let's set up what today was. Today is Thursday in. Thursdays in May mean uh, OTAs. OTAs for the Chiefs. Which is organized team activities. They are voluntary. Not everyone has to be there, uh, except us. We have to be there. Uh, And so we were. We watched. Uh, Not voluntary for us. No, no. Far from voluntary. We were Uh, there. But but not everybody was there. Who You got a list? Who who was not there? Let's, we'll just get Chris Jones out of the way. Chris Jones, not there. Tyreek Hill, not there. Uh... Dion Yelder was not practicing. Travis Kelsey was not practicing. Both were on the sidelines. T- tight ends. Tight, both. Yeah, both tight ends. Um, two other folks who were not there that we didn't know would not be there, Sammy Watkins and Damien Williams, both not there. Both not there because of personal reasons, not a contract holdout situation. Again, it's voluntary. Um, we saw the return of Anthony Hitchens, who missed last week with the birth of his daughter, Ava. Um, but he was back this week. Um also didn't see Jalen Burrell, cornerback. Um, Tim Ward and Darius Harris were both there, two rookies who are both uh, coming off of injuries. They did not practice, but they were on the sidelines. I believe we saw Cam Irving was participating today. Yes. He had not participated last week. Um, I think those are the big ones. And there's another week of this phase of OTAs. Right. We'll be back out there uh, the following the next Thursday, and who, who knows? And then it's mandatory minicamp. In June, middle of June, we'll be Listen back. Listen to that out. deep sigh. You're so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mandatory minicamp. Spring football. You know, at, least, at least the colleges get theirs over with in April. Yeah, uh, that's they're, true. They're, this, this really just drags on. It does drag on. It's weeks and weeks of weeks. But, but it was fun to watch, and... Uh, and we did pick up some information out there today we because sure it wasn't the players we spoke with after practice. It was the assistant coaches for the one and only time during the off-season um, uh, practices. And we, we, we spoke with David Tobe, the special teams coach, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, 
And as you mentioned, Steve Spagnolo, the new defensive coordinator, that, that was actually the first time that we have seen Steve we've Spagnuolo seen speak. Bags in the flesh. Yeah. Um, so we've seen him on the practice field and we have been on a conference call mm-hmm. with him, but this is the first time we saw him at a podium speaking. Um, uh, like, again, we'll get to him in a second, but let's talk first of all about the little bit of news that was made today. And that was by Eric Bienemy when he was asked about Damian Williams, the running back. He was actually asked about the running back position. Right, if it would be a running back by committee situation because of, I mean, it, it's a fair and very valid question. This is a running back group that has a lot of different types of guys in there between Carlos Hyde, Damian Williams, Darrell Williams, uh, Darwin Thompson, just a lot of different guys with different strengths. And so, yeah, he was asked, is this going to be a running back by committee situation? And he said, nope, Damian Williams is our starter. We expect him to excel in that role, uh, he, he continued to say. That so doesn't sound like a committee situation It to absolutely me. does not. Look, I think Damian Williams did a pretty admirable job when he became the starting running back after the, you know, the, the booting of uh, Kareem Hunt uh, last season. And... You know, he had the he had a really good postseason. He had a really good postseason. That's why I think it's kind of surprising some of the doubt that I feel like is creeping in about Damian Williams. People saying like, "Well, can he really be a starter?" He was the starter in the most crucial part of their season and played really well in in the most high intensity, high pressure scenarios in the postseason where you lose and you're done. And I thought that he played well. He did he score every game. Well, I'm let's, trying to think. He had a streak. Uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to uh, filibuster as you look it up. Uh, That's definitely I, not what I'm doing. <laughs> I think that he had a hundred yard rushing game against the Colts in the uh, in in the divisional round playoff game at Arrowhead, and I and then he had the uh, three touchdowns against the pay, or do I have that backwards? Did he? Three tu- I think it was three touchdowns so against I need, the Patriots. I need you to keep filibustering yep, because I'll, I'll keep pro going football here. reference is not doing me any favors. He had a good postseason. I'll leave it at that. And he, he played well down the stretch um, when he started the season. I remember you doing a big story on him yeah. early in the season. He was kind of a feel-good story, right? He mm-hmm. had been uh, released by the Dolphins. and Yep. He had 129 yards against the Colts and... Yep, three touchdowns against New England. Nailed it. Booyah. Um, yeah, I I talked with I was he was a guy that I was intrigued by because he's an OU product and I obviously covered OU before I came here. And so, you know, when you get to a new team, you look at the roster and you're like, who can I make connections with? Oh, Damian Williams. We never crossed paths at OU, but we know some of the same people and I talked with him and then talked with Eric Bienemy and talked to some other people in the team about Damian Williams and he was a guy that had great his tape was graded out really really highly by the chief staff but he was kind of shuffled back in the mix um when he was released by miami hadn't really you know he wasn't released but his contract wasn't renewed there and so he was someone that they felt like they could get a really good bargain on and then he ended up being a really good value running back for them um and he kind of needed a, a change um in his surroundings in his you know he was he was enjoying the Miami lifestyle a little too much I was told by a couple different people and so he just needed a change and he got that in Kansas City and it's been really good for him um since that story I ended up doing other ones talking to his mom um talking to his family about how much they've seen him mature and just how Kansas City is the right fit and so I think that he's going to continue to play well um when you look at the stats he had in the loss to Seattle he had 103 yards and a touch is that a touchdown? Yeah, and a, a receiving touchdown. He also had he scored in the last one, two, three, four, 
five, six in the last six games. So every game he started plus the Baltimore game. So the Oakland game was the first one that the Chiefs didn't have Kareem Hunt. Right, right, at Oakland. Right, at Oakland. He only had five touches in that game. The next week against Baltimore, he had eight touches and two touchdowns. The next week he started against the Chargers, and that's when he had two more touchdowns and then one, 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 three. Establishing himself as as the starting. Yeah, I think run, he deserves back. to be when when Eric Bieniemy is asked as a running back by committee. I think that he's deserved Eric Bieniemy sticking up for him and saying, "No, our starter is Damian Williams." You know, I, he's played his way to that status. You know, as, as I think about him in in the offense, this isn't to suggest that um, the the offense is tailor made for success. Other running backs have been in this Andy Reid offense and didn't have the kind of success that Damian Williams had. But he just seems like the the right person, the right fit at the right time for the Chiefs. His abilities, he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, he's, he's a hard runner as well. So, I, 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 yes, I agree. I, I think he's he's earned the start. He will continue to start. It's his job to lose. I don't suspect he will lose it. And I guess time will just tell – you know what, what the Chiefs end up doing at that position, how many they keep, what the what the pecking order behind him is going to be. Daryl Williams had a touchdown in the playoff game uh, against the Colts last year. They went out and got Carlos Hyde. Uh, they drafted Darwin Thompson. So there is. It's funny when I think about that. The the four running backs who the Chiefs are going to enter training camp with are four complete. None of those guys were with the team right. entering training camp a year ago. Yep. Right? We don't have Cream uh, Hunt, Sharkandrick West, Spencer Ware. Who's the fourth Ooh, one? Who is the fourth one? Boy, we're just going to stare at each other. Know, Maybe we there were only three. Uh, we'll have to look, and or some alert uh, listener will. By all means, tweet at me and tell me how we're wrong, because uh, that's never happened before. But yeah, I mean, it, it is a completely different room. So we keep talking about how different. Damien Williams was the fourth. He was. Damien Williams was there when training camp started. Right. He was just. He was fourth. Right. Yeah. He was fourth. So. Fourth has now risen to first. Yes, with three new ones behind him. And um, it, 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 we keep talking about the changes on the defense, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But that position, running back position, probably has turned over as much as any position on this team. Yeah, it really has, thinking about it. I would say the secondary and the running back position have probably evolved the most since the end of the season. He said, um, uh, again, with, with Eric Bieniemy, he, he was asked about John Lovett, and I know that that's a player that you've been interested in writing he's one about. Of, he's one of the guys that I've picked to watch since rookie minicamp when he kind of seemed to have a breakout uh, play. That and, and, and it's been important for Lovett in, mm-hmm. in this, um, you know, the undrafted free agent quarterback from Princeton, but it's been important for him to look good in these uh, in these practices because Kelsey's not there, Yeldon's not there. This is an opportunity for players like this to really show what they're about. I thought he looked pretty good today. Yeah, I thought so too. He had, I would say, at least three or four catches that I saw. I was like, wow, that was pretty good. He also had the opportunity, I think, because Deion Yelder wasn't playing today, Travis Kelsey not participating. So he's getting more looks than I think a guy in his position as a, a Princeton quarterback turned tight end, H-back, Z-back, LMNO, LMNO, JK back. Uh, he, That's what I play. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he was out there with the first team. To, he was catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. And who would have thought that? This time a year ago, the Princeton quarterback would be a receiver for the NFL MVP. Right. As I was watching um, 
the the wide receivers work today, I was also struck without with the absence of Sammy Watkins, you're looking at Demarcus Robinson and Gary Dieter, you know, taking the basically the first team reps. And there's it's not what you want. Well, it's it's, it's not optimal. Right. Uh, but a it may Gary end- Dieter, a guy that was on the practice squad for a lot of last year, talented, but yeah. He's not Sammy Watkins. But if you're looking at, you know, if you're looking at a Tyreek Hill suspension, assuming he's he's still with the Chiefs, he's suspended and injury prone, Sammy Watkins maybe getting dinged up early or something. That may be uh, Demarcus Robinson, Gary Dieter, uh, McCole Hardman, uh, Byron Marcus, Pringle, Byron Pringle, Marcus Kemp. That that's the group you're going with. Doesn't seem to strike fear into hearts of defensive coordinators. Maybe the way that last year's lineup. Maybe would. so. Maybe Demarcus Robinson takes that step. Look, he 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 had some really nice moments. Had the what the the long touchdown, with the eighty yard mm-hmm. reception against the the Raiders, and uh, maybe he'll he's ready to take that next step and, and show um, show a lot of improvement. Just being a receiver in a Patrick Mahomes offense is going to improve your numbers. Right, exactly. And, and Hardman's speed is is obvious. So, uh, but that's a position also a position group to keep an eye on as as we go forward. So, all right, Brooke, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will uh, we will hear from Steve Spagnolo and talk about the Chiefs' defense. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/sportspass. Uh, we got a long way from that. Uh, you know, we haven't we haven't put a shoulder pad on. Uh, luckily, they let us put helmets on. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd still be doing all those pajama practices we were doing earlier. Um, it's a long process. I'm not. I'm certainly not going to compare it to anything. What I really look for right now is building a foundation. I've talked extensively with the guys about that. It's been all about building a foundation of fundamentals. That goes to communication, to believing in the system, and yeah, I talked extensively about doing the things or getting or mastering the things that take very little talent. You know, it doesn't take a lot of talent to communicate. You know, call out an under route, um, get aligned. Now, those little things we need to get taken care of now, otherwise it creates holes and then we have problems. So I'm more focused on are, that. Are Steve? you seeing those things to your satisfaction right it's now? It's been a little bit up and down, it's been, which is to be expected when it's new, the terminology's new, the people are new, uh, the guys are getting used to each other. Um, it hasn't been as consistent as I would like it right now, but we've still got a long way to go. That's what we're in the process of doing. Can you say All right, so that was, uh, that was Steve Spagnolo, the new defensive coordinator who we had not seen speak until today. We had seen him and we had heard him. We just hadn't seen him speak. I spoke to him briefly in Indianapolis. I saw him at ah. the combine, ran into him in the hallway and just said a quick, hey, how are you? Let's put a name with the face. Because actually, I don't remember if we had podcasted on Facebook Live since then, but I talked to Steve Spagnuolo on the conference call while I was mid-air in flight 
about to land in Kansas City. I think coming back from the Super Bowl, my flight had been delayed. I'd had all these problems. I was coming back from being at home with my family and I had strep like it was just a nightmare. And we were in our descent when the conference call was starting. So I hopped on and did not get kicked off and I'm not on the do not fly list. But it was good. <laughs> Phew, thank goodness. Don't listen to that, TSA folks. Uh, please let me continue to keep my pre-check status. Um, but yeah, I, it was good to talk to him. And I think it was nice to see him in his element. You know, we've heard from so many of you know his people he's coached with before, players, that he's just super energetic. And we've heard that standing on the sideline at practice. Um, and then to see him talk to us in that setting. I mean, he was. He was very animated. He was funny. Um, he was very engaging. Lots of eye contact. All the things that you know, as, as media folks that you like seeing or, or like hearing um, because it's just, it, he'll be a fun interview to talk to him once a week. Well, the first, maybe the fr- first or second question he got was about Chris Jones and he swatted that one away. Yeah, no, he was not fooled by that. Nope. And then, then he talked about, I, I, I looked at you when he said this and you had a big smile on your face when he talked about pajama practices and... Uh, I have no poker face. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in reference to, you know, coming out in, in uh, whatever in previous practices that even I think maybe without helmets, but pajama practices, he called them. And I got to tell you, as somebody who's, whose father is from Rhode Island and whose mother was born in Massachusetts, it just uh, it just speaks to me when I hear Steve Spagnolo say things like, uh, we don't want to get too far forward on <laughs> on this, or you know, we'll see where we are when we get down to the fifty three. You know, wow, you do that really, really well. I grew up in that household. It was my, yeah. my folks were like that. But I'll say this: my parents only lived in New England until they were about twenty twenty one, and they moved out. And, and but that accent stuck right with them. It, well, it stuck with them for for a long time, but they don't they don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. He has managed to maintain. He's been all over the NFL and. He has maintained his New England, Massachusetts accent, and it's it's going to be fun to, to hear. He's not. I don't think yeah. he's given that up. He no, is, he, he is going to continue to he is going to continue to park the car. I was just going to say park the car, um, but I'm, but you did it much better than I did. So uh, we'll let yours be the the accent of record. All right, here. So, so we heard him talk about, um, and I thought this was an interesting answer when, that, that we just heard about building the team on fundamentals. And it was Adam Teicher, our friend from ESPN, who kind of pressed him on it a little bit. And and uh, and he admitted to not being as far along uh, as, as he would hope. But I think that's understandable yeah. with, with the new coaches and the new I mean, they've players. really had, what, six OTA practices to this point. Um, I mean, he got to work with some of the rookies at Rookie Minicamp. But it's not surprising that they're not that far along, given the fact that they're, A, putting in a whole new system, B, putting in a whole new system with half the starters, it feels like, are new guys. So granted, you know, everybody's learning this at the same time, but these guys are still getting adjusted to Kansas City and their um, and their teammates and everything else that there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that are shifting under his watch. So yeah, I mean, it's all about kind of getting your feet back wet. And he also didn't coach last year, so he's Correct. getting used to this rhythm again. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's just like riding a bike. I've never coached a football team before, shockingly. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> what? what? Um, not even like a flag football team. But it's... Um, I don't think it's surprising. I don't think it's cause for concern. I mean, I also think that he would be crazy to walk up there and say, 
yep, we're ahead of schedule. Like we've really got the ball rolling. It's number one defense after being number thirty-one last year. We need to scale it back. Exactly. We are so far along. We're learning too fast. It makes sense that he's trying to temper expectations, but I mean, just what we've seen out of it. They look, they're doing some interesting things. We've seen a lot of TK, uh, Tano Passigno. Mm -hmm. We've seen Breland Speaks. speaks. Uh, Sam McDowell is writing a story on this for later this week. But Sam McDowell noticed that he was playing on the interior of the line as a D-end. I mean, he's moving all over the place. You've got TK on the D-line. I think he was at Mm -hmm. D-end. But yeah, I mean, he's got him doing some things that we weren't seeing last year with Bob Sutton. And and about Speaks, Spags said that um, he made it a point to say he watched his college tape. Yep, that was far more important than his tape as an outside linebacker. And uh, and noticed that he was more comfortable playing on the inside and and that's, but but called him a versatile guy, Could, could go either inside or outside you know mm-hmm. tackler and which we saw them do to with him today and with the multiple positions that makes him valuable is what um is what spag said as for tk um he was asked about tano passigno <laughs> and and had to be reminded who that was because he doesn't know him by tano passigno which is very fair that's pete sweeney asked him about tano passigno and he kind of looked at him he's like oh you mean tk i can't say it as well as you can which I mean, when you just look at it on a paper, <clears throat> I had that same reaction last year when I looked at that, like, there is no way. But once you practice it a couple times, it just rolls right off the tongue. And it's not like he doesn't know him. He's known him since kid was in high school because, yep. as we as we found out, Spags may, still maintains a house, I think, in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. knows the Villanova coaches, so uh, has spoken to Villanova coaches about uh, about Passigno. You know, listen, that's a, it's a player who was a second round pick a few years ago. I'm not sure he is going to end up on the 53. We'll just have to see how things shake yeah. out. Speaks is also a player who is going to have to have, I think, a good training camp to feel really confident about being on the 53. I know he's a current regime draftee. Passanio is not. Mm-hmm. And that always makes a difference when you're yeah. looking at uh, uh, either or at cutdown time. And so keep keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, I get the sense that it's going to be one of them. I don't think they're both going to end up on the roster. So he did say, and this has been a point of some speculation as well, uh, referring to Reggie Raglan, he's the middle guy. Uh, mm-hmm. in the Mike, He's in the Mike linebacker spot. Yep. Not on one side or the other, and Hitchens not in the middle, but it's, it's Reggie Raglan. And again, he goes, you know, look, Spaggs has been in the game for so long, and of course he was out last year, but in studying football for as long as he has. Says he he, um, he he's very familiar with the Alabama players mm-hmm. and has been following Reggie Raglan for a while. Thinks that Raglan will be more comfortable in this defense. I don't know when it's all said and done if Reggie Raglan is going to be the guy. I would say I don't buy it. One of the reasons that he was traded from Buffalo was because he wasn't a good fit in the four three. So why if he can't fit there what would make him a good fit here you know i mean maybe maybe there is there's some nuances to spag system that make him better fitting there um but i think by adding lee the chiefs have the flexibility then to move hitchens to middle and put lee at weak um i think that's a real possibility i think you could also put hitchens at middle and then put dorian o'daniel um weak side so i i think that in keeping with andy reed's traditional 
you know, the veterans have the job until they don't kind of thing. Yeah, he's letting Reggie Ragland get the first crack at it. But I don't think that we should take what we're seeing at OTAs as like, all right, this is what it's going to look like week one in Jacksonville. I think that they'll give Reggie as much of a chance, um, maybe more of a chance than some other guys. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of switch things up and and put Hitchens in the middle, um, maybe even put Lee in the middle. Right. Um, I think they've got some 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 pieces to play with. One thing we should say is when we ask coaches about specific players, they're always going to be complimentary. Right. They're not going to trash a guy. uh, Absolutely not. And and so we have to kind of use our own judgment about who we think is going to be, you know, around. Right. And and who, 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 we make some educated guesses. We we do. And and we have, and that, that that will always be the case. I say that because there, there is one player going back to the other side of the ball who, we don't necessarily bring up, but the but the the coaches do, and 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 actually the guy I'm thinking of, Brett Veach and Andy Reid, both did, and that's Byron Pringle, the oh, wide, wide yes. receiver. So going just going back to that position real quick, I I think that that's um, uh, Dave Tobe mentioned him too. Well, I think I asked specifically about Byron Pringle, but he was super complimentary of him. Yeah, that, so that's just one guy that sort of is a little maybe an exception to the rule that the Chiefs seem to want to put out there, but put the word out that he's. He's a guy that they really like. This is the former Kansas State wide receiver. And um, and he took first-team reps on kick return, did he not? I believe that's what we saw. I be- that's right. And so this was a guy who I think was – I don't know if he was destined to make the team last year, but he was hurt in the – I mean, he would have been a practice squad guy for at, sure, at, 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 at the minimum. very least. And had a, ended up with a hamstring injury that cost him the season. And, and a sports hernia, I believe. Yes. It was a complicated issue for him. and uh, and, and But it was he was he – was, Heading toward a a success story as an undrafted free agent last mm-hmm. year, so I just wanted to make that clear that um, we're talking about the players that we ask about. The coaches were complimentary of them, um, and, and then we just try to read between the lines on on on, what, on how they really feel. We so. read between the lines on what's happening between the lines. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. So well said. So well said. It's like I'm a writer or something. I don't know. Yes, yes. You should look <laughs> into so that. So cheesy. You should. Definitely look into that. I'll consider it. Brooke, we cannot um, we cannot end this podcast without getting the Hootie update. Oh, let me check. You know what? We may get to hear from him because uh, I'm going to check my video app right now because, yeah, I'm one of those dog parents that has video of their dogs. Oh, he's sleeping. Sometimes he barks in his crate and I was going to turn the speaker on so that everyone could hear what I've been going through. Uh, oh, wait, I think he's barking. That's a sign that uh, this podcast needs to be over soon because there's a little uh, almost 11-week-old dog that would love to get out of his crate. Uh, so when last we talked, you had that was the that was the acquisition date. I that believe. was yep. That was you, Friday he, morning. Yeah, we got him Friday night. He signed with Brooke and Teddy. And he did. Uh, he was on like a two-day contract <laughs> because he was about. We almost had to waive him very early because after the first night. Boy, it was rough. He lasted in the crate for 30 minutes, or rather, we lasted with him in the crate for 30 minutes. Uh, even with the crate in our room, he still barked his little head off, and so Teddy ended up letting him out, and Teddy slept on the couch and just let Hootie have free reign over the living room. <laughs> Nothing was destroyed. Uh, but then after that, you know what? He's been pretty good in the crate, knock on wood. I'm sure he won't be now. Um, but yeah, I mean, last night he slept through the whole night. And all the other nights since we, we got him about a week ago, um, I've had to get up between three and five and take him down to the little doggy bathroom area outside in the middle of the night. 
because wow. I'm a really good wife. Uh, <laughs> because I don't sleep with the earplugs in, and he does, so he says he can't hear him when he starts kind of scratching around. That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah I would have said the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... <laughs> But he's been a good little dog. He's been he's been hilarious. So he and my other dog Bo um, have been playing together. That's, so that's cool. They get, so they get along. They get along. They get along great. Um, by the way, their name his name is Hootie because we decided to do that for Hootie and the Bowfish. Um, very excited about the name. I may or may not have already created an Instagram account. Haven't posted to it yet if it exists. Uh, but I was sitting in a Sonic <laughs> waiting for an interview to call and. Uh, you know what? That handle hadn't been taken, so I went ahead and scooped it up, just in case. We're looking for uh, advertisers, because we want to have puppy influencers to pay for our dog toys and dog food. So, if you're listening, you can get me a hookup with Pup Box or BarkBox or Chewy.com. Let me know. <laughs> All right. Well, we will get the uh, the Hootie update uh, a week from today following thursday that'll be the chief hopefully last. he's still with us <laughs> yes hopefully he is uh that'll be the chief's last uh practice in this phase of otas and as brooke said uh, rookie mini or rookie mandatory mandatory mini camp the is, rookies will also be there is in mid-june so brooke thanks for stopping by and we will talk to you again soon Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes and follow all of our chief's coverage on kansascity.com Facebook.com slash Red Zone and the Red Zone Extra app. Big thanks to Kathy Lou and Leah Becerra for producing, and we'll be back soon to talk Kansas City sports on another edition of Sports Beat KC. We can start talking here. Let's so. pod. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they want some cool and quirky stuff to run before we start the music? They have already included some quirky stuff. Usually at the end, after the after the closing music, they'll have me saying something Does this ridiculously count? stupid. It, it, it might. It yes. might. Yes.